0: Good morning, y'all. We're going to start our service a little differently this morning, Uh, something I'm really excited about. We have been praying uh, for a while that the Lord would raise up home group leaders, and and those are our small groups at the bridge. And one thing that I've been praying specifically for is that the Lord would raise up a home group leader for teenagers, and he did that this past week. And I'm, I'm excited about it. So Jennifer Haynes is going to lead a small group, home group, for teenagers. So what we're going to do is we're going to ask Jennifer to come up here, and we're going to commission her. We're going to pray over Jennifer. This is a big deal. Uh, missions is not just going across the world to share the gospel with people, but missions can happen and win. It should happen and when. and we are thankful. We're praising the Lord that he has raised up a home group leader for teenagers. I'm I'm pumped about this. Uh, What we're going to do is we're going to ask you that if you want to come up here and lay hands on Jennifer um, in a nice kind of way, you know, don't... Um, So so y'all come, if you will, gather around Jennifer, and then she has requested that Carly Owens pray over her as we commission her. strengthen her all your power, that you would guard her against the enemy and the stupidness that will try to throw at her. I pray, Father, that she would walk in a way that others see that it is only you in her that makes it possible, and that they would want that for themselves. Lord, I pray for our youth, that you would call them out, and that they would, Thank y'all. Jennifer, where are you meeting tonight? All right. So, teenagers, your first meeting is going to be in a sacred place here in Wynn called Pizza Hut <laughs> at 5 o'clock. So, find Jennifer, get her phone number where you can text her and, and know what all's going on. They're going to start meeting at Jennifer's house. I think, in, in the coming weeks. But this week is a really good time to step into a home group because there's not going to be uh, a, a discussion. You don't, you don't need to feel pressure with the discussion. We're going to eat. We're literally going to meet and eat. We're going to hang out with one another. I'm going to try to hit up two or three of them. Um, but this is a really good time to step into a home group, a really good week. If you want to, you can go ahead and turn in your Bible to the book of First John. Um, not the Gospel of John, but the book of First John, toward the end of your Bible. Last week, we started a series with our launch service called A Life Like No Other. And last week, we talked about up, in, and out, and, and how Jesus modeled that in Luke chapter 6. He went up on the mountain and spent time with the Father alone in prayer, aligning his heart with God. And we talked about how critical it is for believers to do that. And at the bridge, we want to be sure that we're doing that. Then we talked about in, how, how it's critical for, for a believer to, to have relationships and build into people who are other believers. And that was in, and Jesus modeled that by calling his disciples to him. And then we talked about out, how Jesus ministered to people who were broken and sick And he healed them. And we want people at the bridge to be doing that as well. This morning I titled the message, The Only Way to Be a Happy Christian. And I'm not telling you that if you trust Jesus, everything's going to be hunky-dory for you for the rest of your life. But I am telling you there is a way to be a Christian that is secure and happy in everything he does or she does. And there is a way to be a Christian where you have incredible doubt and where it's not that fun. I spent the first um, probably 16 or 17 years of my life walking through a time where I had prayed a prayer to ask Jesus to save me but I doubted it the whole 16, 17 years. I laid it in bed at night, awake, looking at the ceiling, thinking, man, if I die tonight, if I don't wake up tonight, um, I may go to hell. I, I had no security in my walk with God. And the Lord pointed me to First John in that, the book of 1 John. And, and what I love about the book of 1 John is John tells people I want you to know, I tell you these things so that you will know that you are a follower of Jesus. And y'all, it's so critical. If you're walking through doubt, you're never going to serve the Lord the way he has called you to serve him. So that's how I want to I focus the, these next few weeks. I want you to have some things that you can take to your Christ, Christian walk um, that will help give you that abundant life that Jesus talks about. I have... Um, I've married some of y'all in this room. Um, I, I did the wedding for some. I've married one of y'all in this room. I, I did the wedding for some of y'all in this room. Um, and and in those, we I always have premarital counseling with you. And 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 I tell the people that I'm going to perform the ceremony for that. Um, I can't tell you exactly what's going to come up into marriage in, in your marriage, but I can give you these principles. That can help you be secure in your marriage. And that's what we're walking through today. That's that's what we're going to start tracking through with this life like no other. I want to give you some principles that are from God's word. That will help you walk in a secure relationship to Jesus. So, 1 John chapter 2. We're going to start reading in verse Three. This is how we know that we know Him. Y'all, I want you to pay attention to what the Lord says in these verses. You, you can tune me out, but listen to what He says. This is how we know that we know Him if we keep His commands. The one who says, I have come to know Him and yet doesn't keep His commands... Is a liar and the truth is not in him. But whoever keeps his word, truly in him the love of God is made complete. This is how we know we are in him. The one who says he remains in him should walk just as he walks. So, the first principle, the first point I want us to look at this morning is confidence in salvation is found in a rhythm of following Jesus. And, and I want you to, to think about that word rhythm because this scripture isn't saying that, that if I mess up one time, if there is a point in time in my life where I don't look like Jesus, I'm not saved anymore. That's not what the scripture saying. Like you forgot the hitch was in the back of your truck and you walk around it and it hits you about right there. And you think bad thoughts. You didn't just get lost again. Y'all know you've done that. And then bad thoughts might have even came out. He's not saying that, that if there's ever a point in time where you don't look like the holiness of Jesus, you're not saved anymore. But he also doesn't say, y'all, that if you pray a prayer when you were six at VBS... That proves that you're, you're saved. He says, for the follower of Jesus, there is a rhythm where, where we walk as he walked. I love the first sentence and I love the last sentence where he says, this is how we know that we know him if we keep his commands. And then the last sentence describes how we keep his commands when we walk as he walked. So, so it's not that we never mess up and we never look like Jesus. Or there are times when we don't look like Jesus. And it's also not that we do this ritual either. The way we have confidence in our salvation. The way that we are secure as a believer is, is when we look at Jesus and we say, I want that for my life. It's, it's when we look at what he's, he cares about and we say, I want to care about that with him. Really big deal. A person who does not know Jesus naturally lives for himself or herself. A person that does love Jesus is far from perfect, but they want his ways to infiltrate their lives. They want his spirit to ooze out from him so they are a light in their community. There is a difference. The application for this is to start The application for this is for all ages, y'all. If you're a child in here, if you're a kid, this is for you. If you've trusted Jesus, teenagers, this is for you, adults. This is for you. Start and continue to discover Jesus and immediately follow what you know. Start and to continue and continue to discover Jesus and immediately follow what you know. That does not mean that day one, you're going to be Mother Teresa. But you can apply what you know of Jesus. And you can desire to know him better so that you can apply more so that he's better seen in the world. And in when. We can do that. There are six-year-olds and 60-year-olds that that need to start a relationship with Jesus. And there's a lot of six-year-olds that can teach a lot of 60-year-olds about how to love their neighbor. We all need to be growing. Kids, kids, maybe for you, maybe this application for you, listen to me kids, this might be for you. Um, Maybe your, your starting place... Is to love your siblings better because Jesus tells us to love our enemies. <laughs> I'm kidding, y'all. But seriously, maybe that's a good place for you to start. To love your, your siblings better. One of the things that we talk about at the bridge and one of, one of our values is to experience joy. And kids, you really have a real place in your home to set the tone for joy in your home. You really have that power and you can snatch it right out from under everybody too. Teenagers, teenagers, maybe for you this is this is to to seek out people at your school that everybody else shies away from that everybody else is is They don't want any part of it, and and you build into that person at your school. Maybe there's somebody at the the lunchroom table that nobody sits by. Maybe because you follow Jesus and because one of the core values of the bridge is to uh, build a relationship with uninitiated people, maybe you need to start a relationship with them. Discover Jesus and apply what you know. Adults, for you. Maybe it's to walk out into our community and and see the walls that are built in our community that that the enemy built. Jesus didn't build them. The enemy built them. And begin to pull bricks out of those walls and tear those walls down so our community is able to worship Jesus in unity. One of the values of the bridge is to pursue diversity. We see in Scripture where Jesus tore down the walls of hostility. And the bridge wants to be about that too. Adults, for you, maybe applying what you know is when you see walls built, you start to tear them down. Discover Jesus and apply what you know. One thing I want to share with you, and and I'm a little concerned about this in the church, there's this word that floats around and it's the word radical. And I love the book Radical and I love the guy that wrote the book Radical. But friends, you need you need to understand something about that. There are no levels of obedience to Jesus. You obey Jesus or you don't obey Jesus. You don't obey in a normal way right here by going to church. Every, every now and then. And then up here, there's another level of, of obedience that will send you overseas. No, friends, listen to me. There is no radical. You obey Jesus or you don't obey Jesus. When we're sitting at my house and I say, I say, Laney, it's time for you to go clean your room. And she gets up off the couch and she goes to clean your room. Nobody goes, oh, she's radical. <laughs> I mean, nobody does that. But if I say, "Laney, go clean your room, and she goes, Dad, I'm going to spend a few weeks in prayer over this. <laughs> Dad, I'm going to form some group, a group of my friends, and we're going to get together, and we're, we're going to talk about how we ought to be cleaning our room, but we're not cleaning our room. Dad, we're going to look at what the Old Testament says about cleaning your room. And then we're going to pick up and see what Jesus and Paul says about cleaning your room. We're going to hash all that out. Then we're going to look at what Beth Moore says about cleaning your room. And, and, and after I get through this study and I find out whether or not you really want me to clean your, my room, I'll let you know if I will or not. Oh, sister, you better go pray. And you better throw some fertilizer on your hedge of protection. No, y'all. When Jesus clearly says something in His Word, we don't have to ask Him again if He wants us to obey that. Believers say, Yes, sir. Do we need prayer? Do we need his spirit? Obviously we do. Do we want to hear him clearly in his word? Nothing wrong with Bible studies. But don't we do that? We hear something clearly in the word of God and we we pray it to death. When we need to just say, yes sir. When Jen stepped up to lead the home group, she wasn't radical. She was obedient. She was normal. When somebody hears the the voice of God in their life and they sell all their possessions and they move to Africa, that's not radical. That's normal for a person who follows Jesus. I think it's sad that we've made people that are passionate about Jesus radical and we've normalized people that are not passionate. That is not okay. Those who follow Jesus with confidence live a rhythm Of allowing him to use them in their daily life. It's a rhythm. Next few verses. Verses 7 through 11. Dear friends, I'm not writing to you a a new command, but an old command that you have had from the beginning. The old command is the word you have heard. Yet I'm writing you a new command which is true in him and in you. Because the darkness is passing away and the true light is already shining. The one who says he's in the light but hates his brother or sister is in the darkness until now. The one who loves his brother or sister remains in the light and there's no cause for stumbling in him. But the one who hates his brother or sister is in the darkness, walks in the darkness, and doesn't know where he's going because the darkness has blinded his eyes. The second thing I want you to see from these verses is that confidence in salvation is found in a relentless love for others. Now, I'm going to be honest with you. I spent most of my study time looking at the word hate. Because when, when, when I read this scripture, uh, the, the thing that puzzles me is it's like you love or you hate. But there's a lot of dis- distance between love and hate, isn't there? Like there are people that I don't really love, but I don't hate them. You know what I mean? And there's people that I don't really hate, but I don't want to go on vacation with them. I don't love them. You know what I mean? There's a lot of gray area there. So so most of my time this week, I, I spent looking at the word hate. You know, love, love's a different kind of word. We use it a lot. Um, Beth, I love you I love my children. I love Diet Dr. Pepper. You know what I'm saying? We, we use that word a lot. It's kind of a fluid word. But the word hate is a big time word. If you say I hate you, son, the room goes silent. It just did right then. Hate is a big time word. So I, I wanted to look through and, and understand how God connects the word hate at different times in his word. So, so I took all my resources and, and I, looked at, I looked at the word hate and how he connects it. Um, there's times in the Bible when, when hate is connected to the acceptance or active participation in injustice. So there's times when, when the Bible sees something that, that is unjust and people either actively participate in the injustice or they step back And let it go on without standing up for the person who's being mistreated. Sometimes the Bible connects that with hate. See, we we think about um, terrorists when we think about the word hate. But I don't think the Bible does that all the time. Rejection. There's times when the Bible connects the word hate with the word rejection. So so when we see people in our community and we go... "Mm, The Bible might connect that with hate. Ridicule. When we see a person in our community and we, we heap shame on them. Maybe they've messed up. Maybe it's their own fault. But, but maybe the church heaps shame onto a person because they've messed up. When we, when we ridicule a person, we heap that shame on a person. The Bible connects that at times with hate. When we show partiality, when, when a rich person comes in and we treat them a certain way and then there's a broken person who has nothing to offer us and, and we treat them a certain way, there are times in the Bible where that's condemned as hate. When we treat people who are exactly like us but we, we walk away from people who are different from us, when we show partiality like that, the Bible connects that with hate. Hate. Hate in the Bible is also contrasted with the word hope. So when we pull hope out from under people, the Bible connects that with hate. That kind of changes the conversation a little bit, doesn't it? Because maybe our indifference to people Maybe our lesser love of people, I love this person more than this person, maybe our indifference toward people, maybe God's heart sees that as hate and that matters, that matters. I know that strong language, I don't really like it myself, I'm not really comfortable with it, but but the Lord hasn't called us to be comfortable, right? He's called us to hear truth from his word. the application here for kids and students and adults is to relentlessly choose love consistently. I know that's kind of wordy, and there's, there's words on the front side and back side of that that are descript, descriptors, but it's important to be relentless in our love, and it's important for us to be consistent in our love. Because we can, we can choose love, we can be relentless in choosing our love one time to a person when they walk in these doors in this setting and then we can ridicule them in Walmart and it, it just looked like hate. Consistency matters in our love. Big deal. I want to give you a couple of examples that are ultra-practical for our city and win. This, this isn't real easy for me to do because it's, it is specific. Friends, listen to me. We can do our church events, and we can do a really good job with our church events on that one night, that we're having the event, and at the same time, not invite people into our, our group, not invite people into our belonging, and it's worthless. Do you hear me? When we do that, when we say we want to have an event where we're going to throw out t-shirts and candy and a parade and... Santa Bunny's going to be there and all that. And There's a thousand people that come and we say hooray. And then we walk into church and, and none of those people came. It's, it's because the Lord Jesus never commanded us to have an event, but he commanded us to love extravagantly. And I wonder sometimes if they feel the love. Because sometimes, y'all... Especially in when there's people that were raised together, they were born together, they went to school together, they went to church together, they played baseball together, they did everything together. They have all this background story and and when a person comes in from the outside, they can't hardly break into that group. You know what I'm saying? Have you ever felt, maybe you felt that. It's vital. I hope we have close relationships where we love one another. But if we become a place where people can't break into the group, it is unhealthy. It doesn't matter what we do as an event if we're not turned on to this relentless and consistent love. It matters. There, there's another side to this. We live in a small town, and, and y'all, when we mess up, everybody knows. Everything becomes public when we mess up. Everything's connected. Everybody knows. And, and sometimes we can say, I don't know if I can love that person the way I ought to because then maybe somebody else over here in the churchy group will think that I'm connected to what they did wrong and we overthink this and it it limits our love. But Jesus does not operate like that. He says, I know what you did. Let me heap this love on you. He says, "You, you, you didn't hide it from me. But I had this mountain of mercy I want to pour on you. Yes, you've you've screwed up, but I, I don't care what you've done. I'm going to love you relentlessly. Choose love consistently. Y'all, this morning, I, I, I hope you've heard some passion from me uh, about love. But, but listen to me, especially if you've never trusted Jesus with your life. Listen to me. I'm not speaking to you with authority on the subject of love because I do it well. I can speak with you with authority on the subject of love because I have experienced it well. Jesus has seen me in my mess, and I've tricked a lot of people, but I've never tricked him. He has seen me in my mess, and he has heaped this grace on me that's almost crushing. Like, like I want to say, Jesus, let me earn it from you. And he's just continued to just rip my heart out by heaping this this enormous amount of grace on me over and over and over again in all my ugly let me tell you something friend i don't know what you've done and you may have tricked me you haven't tricked jesus but you don't need you don't need to feel the need to because right on the other side of your repentance and your trust in him is a sea of mercy and grace and love. Amen. This morning, we're, we're going to sing a couple more songs and, and we're going to be done. But while we're singing, I'm going to be standing over here. If, if you would say this morning, Dustin, I want that mercy. I've never, I've never experienced it, but I want that mercy today. You can come talk to me. There's several people scattered out through this room that can describe this mercy to you. Um, Not because they're good at it, but because they've experienced it. They can walk you through what that mercy looks like. You have some cards in your your seat. Mandy described them to you. And on that card, if you need to mark that you need to trust Jesus for the first time, turn those in at the end of the service and I'll, I'll connect with you this week. We'll work this out. Maybe you're walking close to Jesus. We're fixing to sing a song about love and I hope the message has helped you to worship but Him better. Let me pray for us. Jesus, we come to you today and Father, I'm so thankful that you don't call us to base our our hope in a a few words in a prayer but you write to us in all your grace and you say this is how you know that you know I'm thankful that you talk to us in, in practicality Father I'm sorry for the times we have normalized disobedience I'm sorry for the times that we have called passion radical Father, I pray for the bridge that that when we see people step out in faith to you, I, I pray that we would come to a place where we're able to say, man, that's normal. Not, whoa, that's radical. Father, I pray for us to be able to love well, love our community well. Maybe love some people that don't deserve our love. Maybe love some people that have really messed us up. Maybe love some people that deserve our, our ridicule and, and deserve us to turn our backs on them. But, but because of your incredible love for us, we're able to love them supernaturally. So that they don't, they don't look at us and say, wow, you're awesome. But they look at us and say, that's not right. Something's not right. Tell me about what, how you can do this. Father, change us. Make us people who live a rhythm of obedience and live a rhythm of love. We're going to follow you no matter what. Have your way. In Jesus' name, amen.